We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat and Jason. We're talking about the six and six Chicago Bulls. I say that with a hint of joy in my voice because while the Bulls are 500, I think they've actually surpassed my expectations a little bit at the start of the season. They've been really competitive. They have not been great in close games, which we'll talk about. Uh, but without Lonzo Ball and with a hobbled Zach Levine, the Bulls are pretty much right in it every single game. Obviously, they're 500, uh, which, you know, they could be a couple games better for sure if they got some breaks going their way. But in general, Jace, I'm feeling pretty positive about the team uh, after the first 12 games of the year. And now we're getting to the point where some of the early season stats that we've seen so far are going to start to stabilize. So Bulls still in the middle of a pretty tough stretch, coming off a back-to-back split against the Toronto Raptors. Bulls lose Sunday afternoon to the Raptors, 113-104. They play them 24 hours later, flying from Toronto to Chicago, in win 111-97. The difference between those two games, Jace? Zach Levine played in one of them. You're never going to guess which one. It's the one the Bulls won. Uh, Levine, yesterday, we're recording this on a Tuesday, probably his best game of the season, 30 points, 11 to 20 shooting, five assists, uh, really took advantage of a Toronto defense that decided it was going to try to completely take away DeMar DeRozan throughout this two-game series. Uh, so in general, Jace, I'm feeling pretty good about the team right now. How are you feeling about, you know, the last week of Bulls basketball? Yeah, I think reasonably good. And going back to our last podcast, we had three games. We had that Celtics game on the road on national television. Um, the Bulls beat the Celtics earlier, uh, at Boston. So that's a game where you think maybe the Celtics just come out and beat the Bulls ass. And like, there were a few times where they threatened 
to do just that. But the Bulls kept coming back, kept coming back. They had a chance at the end. Uh, poor Patrick Williams had a really, really rough crunch time. Did not go well for him. Uh, it happens. Young player on the road at Boston against the defending Eastern Conference champs. It was interesting in that game that Billy Donovan stuck with him entire and throughout crunch time. You could quabble or quibble with that. I might have pulled him a minute or two earlier, but he gave him the chance. He gave him the chance to fail, and Pat tried and failed. But even then, like I was not upset with the with that loss, uh, and like it was a bummer. And obviously, Pat caught a lot of heat for fucking up there down the stretch. He had like three or four straight bad plays. But like again, he, it was better to see him at least try and fail than just do nothing and fail. Uh, and Billy gave him that chance, and the Bulls almost made a big comeback. And they played the Celtics tough again. That's a road game. They didn't. They didn't uh, quit. And then the other Raptors, the first Raptors game in Toronto, they went up big and then kind of fall, fell apart. The turnovers, the turnovers were an issue both nights, but it hurt them in the first game. In that first game, the re- offensive rebounding or the the Bulls defensive rebounding, the Toronto's offensive rebounding was a big problem. I think they had like 20 some offensive rebounds, really missing Andre Drummond in that game. Uh, I think I saw he's going to be questionable for tomorrow against the Pelicans. So that's good. They really missed him in that game. The turnovers were an issue. You mentioned the Raptors making it a point to take away DeMar. The Raptors are just an annoying team to play against anyways because they're all just like long, uh, athletic defenders. This is without Pascal Siakam, but long, athletic defenders. Fred Van Vliet's not literally – he's a small guy, but he's just a, a bulldog, and he was kind of controlling that first game. So the turnovers were an issue. The Bulls were crushed on the glass, and they kind of just fell apart at the end. Uh, and I was kind of worried about the game. I know it's tough to beat a team twice in a row like that, especially when they're kind of they're I would put the Bulls and Raptors probably in a similar tier. Uh, but I was worried just with the schedule, this Bulls schedule, even with Zach coming back, because this was what another back to back and like their fourth or fifth games in seven nights, something like that. So I was kind of worried. But the Bulls, after a really slow start, they came out and looked really good. Uh, after falling down nine early, the bench again was fantastic, and they played a huge role in the Bulls being better than anybody could have expected. Drag Goran Dragic, another huge game. Derek Jones Jr. was great. Um, Crusoe was solid. All those guys kind of righted the ship. And then Zach, Zach also started strong, and then he just had a consistently strong game throughout. And again, like De- DeMar did very little, but, but he was, uh, was they were double teaming him, but he was finding guys. They still turned it over 20 times, but the Bulls pretty much controlled most of that game. Uh, to win pretty handily. And I, and you talk about just like overall so far, six and six isn't great, but like. They're 12th in net rating right now at a plus 2.0. Not bad. Their defense is actually one of the best in the league. They are top, top five, five in defensive rating right now. They're they're at 108.3 defensive rating. The Milwaukee Bucks are lapping the field with a 101.9 D rating. Uh, the next closest team is the Cavs at 104.7. But the Bulls are, it's Bucks, Cavs, Suns, Clippers, Bulls. Uh, so pretty crazy that they're top five in uh, defensive rating. Now the offense has struggled. They're down to 20th in offensive rating. Which makes some sense given the lack of shoot three point shooting, given Zach being in and out of the lineup with Lonzo not there, makes some sense that that is the case. Uh, but the fact that they're top five in defense, we they, we know they started the year great defensively last year, but that was when they had Lonzo and Crusoe kind of got kind of going crazy. But the bench has been great defensively. We're seeing, I think, some improvement from Patrick Williams. I said I, I can't think I can call him like a great defender yet, but he has his moments. Uh, Caruso, I mean, uh, Caruso's on the bench, obviously. I mean, even like, I think Vooch is doing a decent job as a starter. A lot, a lot of this, I think, is the bench has been just all over the place. I saw, I think it was Casey Johnson did a article today about Caruso and Javante Green and then just the deflections and just the havoc that they've been causing off the bench. 
So overall, being top five in defense, being six and six with this schedule, with all these back-to-backs, with the injury circumstances, because not only is Lonzo out, not only has Zach uh, been in and out, Andre Drummond's missing, what, last four or five games? So is Kobe White. Say what you will about Kobe White. I mean, that's four, two starters and three other or two, a couple other rotation guys that haven't been playing for a decent portion of the schedule and to be six and six against the uh, strength of this schedule is not bad. And you hope that once the things lighten up, they're now getting some more breaks. That means again, as you mentioned, that Zach will be playing more that they can take advantage of that. And uh, again, either stay afloat, maybe stay a few games above 500 as we've talked about the goal here is to weather the storm and stay afloat until Lonzo ball comes back whenever that is. A couple takeaways on the last two games, and maybe we could switch to some big picture stuff. Raptors, Bulls do not play them again until February 28th, if I'm looking at the schedule correctly. Uh, My takeaway on that is, thank God. I cannot stand playing the Raptors. The Raptors (laughs) are the single most annoying team to play against, and the Bulls got a major break by catching them without Siakam, who's legitimately playing at like probably a top 10 player in the league level. Yeah, definitely all NBA level. He's been absolutely phenomenal. So he gets hurt like a day before they play the Bulls, misses this series. They're still so frustrating to play against because they basically dare you to beat them with your role players. They So the Raptors played the Mavericks just before they played the Bulls. And they there's a viral clip of the Raptors showing Luka Doncic like 20 different defenses. <laughs> They played him at the level of the screen. They dropped, they trapped, they hard hedged. They did late doubles in the post. Every defensive coverage you think you've ever read about on the internet, that's what the Raptors tried to Luca. And Luca still picked him apart because right now, Luca Luca is a top three player in the world comfortably. Uh, Then the Raptors came and they did it to DeMar DeRozan. And across the two games, Jason, do you know how many field goal attempts DeMar DeRozan had across the two games with the Raptors? Well, I'm going to spoil it for you. It was 15. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say like 15 to 17. I couldn't remember 15 exactly. 15 field goal attempts across two games. Now, remember, Jace, the game before when the Bulls played the Celtics, all DeMar did was go off for 46 points and five assists. In a close Bulls loss to Boston on the road, DeMar shot 13 of 23 in that game. That was vintage DeMar that yeah. we saw and last Like 20 season. free throws. Carrying the franchise on his shoulders. Yeah, 20 and 22 from the foul line. Basically, that game against Boston was DeMar being like, yo, guys, I got it. I can get the most efficient shot on every possession, and I'm going to carry the offense on my shoulders. So then after that amazing 46-point DeMar masterpiece, he goes to play Toronto. And Toronto's like, bro, every time you have the ball and attempt to move, we're going to swarm the shit out of you. We're going to do it different ways every single time. And you are not going to be able to get in any sort of rhythm in this game. Now, credit to DeMar. He took six shots yesterday. In a game they won, uh, you know, they won by... 12 points, 13 points, whatever. But that game was still like relatively contested. Like it could have gone either way in the second half at certain points. DeMar very much played within himself. And the difference of why the Bulls lost the first one, won the second one, is that DeMar had a release valve who could create his own offense. And that was Zach Levine playing in the second one. Uh, That was the best we've seen from Levine all year. 
he looked really explosive He's as driving. a driver. Yeah. I thought he was taking the ball to the basket consistently. I wonder if the coaching staff sort of, uh, you know, emphasized that before the game. Now, he doesn't always explode to the basket as a finisher. And I think yeah, that like that's up. been... Upward. Yeah, he can't really go up. He's pretty good planting off it. He's pretty good at, like, step backs. So there's some areas where that injured left knee, like, seems like it doesn't hinder him. But where it hurts is his finishing. And what makes Zach Levine a max level player is the fact that he combines elite shooting with very, very good finishing. He hasn't had the finishing part yet, but you know what? Against the Raptors, even on some of these drafts where he wasn't like exploding above the rim, he was still finishing them. He had a couple like sort of like weak uh, layup attempts, I thought, after a solid drive, but the ball still went in. I think he was five of eight in the restricted circle. Look this up right now. uh, my, My point on this is... I hate the Raptors. It's so annoying to play against them. I view them as the most frustrating team in the East. You would think I would say the Celtics because I'm a lifelong <laughs> Celtics hater. And I do hate seeing the Celtics thrive. But the Raptors, you just have like Nick Nurse's mad scientist. Yeah, vibes. right. <laughs> they have no real half-court shot creation, especially without Siak. Yeah, it's all Fred Van Vliet. Like he's doing everything. And like sometimes all Scotty Barnes. turn you over. Yeah you know, rebound better than you. And that's how the Bulls lost the first game. They couldn't grab a defensive rebound. Uh, The Celtics, or I'm sorry, the Raptors basically trapped the shit out of them until they would turn it over. So I'm super glad we don't have to see the Raptors anytime soon. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get this high of a seed, Jace, at the end of the year. I think it's possible. How about a 4-5 Bulls-Raptors first-round series? No, th- no thanks. I would no. hate that. I would absolutely <laughs> hate that series. I think it's somewhat on the table because I think the Bulls are playing at a level right now where, hey, maybe they could get the five seed. I don't know. It's I mean, we're seeing some of these other like supposed contending teams sucking. Like Miami sucks. Sixers have, have been okay. Uh, and they don't have James Harden for a while. The Nets are the Nets doing whatever thing. So like, right? What are the Bulls are? Are they six right now at six and six? Are they triple sixes here? I don't remember exactly. Uh, the as standings. I click on the standings tab, yes, the Bulls are yeah. in the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference right now. And in Toronto's like the four of the five, right? They're, they're all, I mean, they're right they're there. Five. Yeah. So right now, the Bulls would play the Celtics in a three-six first round series. Toronto would play Atlanta. Atlanta looks good with Trey Young and Dejounte Murray. I think that was a good trade. For Atlanta, no doubt. I was a little skeptical of it coming into the season. And then Atlanta yesterday got a big game from rookie wing A.J. Griffin. Yeah. I is a top seven player in this draft. I think I am six. Uh, he had not played the entire year before last se- or before last game, basically. And he looked really good. He went 16th, two picks before the Bulls. So, uh, yeah, Atlanta will be an interesting team to watch. You know, another team in a similar tier to the Bulls. Yeah, I'm just like looking at these standings. Like, I would assume the Sixers are gonna figure things out, even if Harden's hurt. I feel like, and as long as Embiid's all right, and I mean, like the other, like the Pacers have been coming on strong. The Knicks are have been super mid. The Wizards are bad, but they're five and six. So, like, you know, the, the Knicks are solid though. They're the like are not an embarrassment at all. They are not. Uh, like, you figure. I will still see what the Pacers do. So, like, if anything, it's. It's the Sixers will probably rise, and then we'll see what happens with Miami. They just have not been very good so far. Everyone thinks the Nets are just going to implode. So, like, it's going to be interesting to see just how this kind of works out and where, like, the Bull. I mean, right now, the the Bucks look amazing. The Cavs, even though they blew that game last night, look 
like they're really fucking good. Celtics, we know, are good. And then we'll see how, yeah, the Hawks look pretty good. We'll see how how uh how much they hold up here but uh that's right now is the top four and then it's uh another game and a half or two before the bull so it'll be just very interesting to see how the season conference kind of plays out with everything that's going on yeah but yeah back to the point about bulls a bulls after series it would be very annoying uh and especially i mean it's annoying it was annoying enough already playing them without siakam siakam just adds another six nine lengthy athletic dude he'll just make life even more annoying so i guess the only like good thing about like playing the Raptors is their bench is horrible, but I guess in a playoff series, all their starters will play 40 minutes. And that could be, uh, we saw like the bulls really took advantage of their bench yesterday. And when the plan V went out, but if they do have Siakam and they have all their guys and they're just playing their starters, 40 plus minutes, like, uh, and they can just, they just make life living hell on you. And it's just annoying to play against. All right, Jason, I want to talk about Levine yeah. because, uh, there was a good quote from Levine after the game that got me relatively excited about this bowl season and about how just the Bulls are sort of approaching this year. All right, so this was tweeted by Casey Johnson after the game. Zach Levine keeps making clear that he would play every game if it were up to him. Bulls don't have another back-to-back until December 10 and 11. Quote, We've had a tough schedule to start off, Levine said. Now we have a day or two between every game. I'm happy with that because you'll see me in the lineup. Jace, for the first time in my life as a Bulls fan, I think I'm I'm pleased with their approach to a serious An injury. injury? <laughs> the Bulls, over the last 10 years, since me and you have been covering the team, have horribly mismanaged injuries from Luol Deng to Amara Sheik to maybe even D Rose. There's just been so many injuries that this team has mishandled. Yes, I understand it's frustrating to have Zach Levine miss so many games the early part of the season. Zach certainly is not 100% yet, and it's fair to wonder, okay, if he got this knee surgery in May, when is he going to be 100% this year? Uh, It was supposed to be sort of a non-evasive surgery, so... Uh, You know, it's not like he had a torn ACL and they repaired the ACL and the ACL needs to build up strength. Maybe the knee does still need to build up strength. I'm not a doctor. I'm a podcaster. I'm not. He kind of admitted that a couple days ago that it was going to take some time. He's not worried that he's like doing whatever to make sure he just builds that strength up. Continue. But he's 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 mentioned it before that he's admitted it. Well, if that's the case, that's wonderful. But overall, I'm really happy that the Bulls are not treating every game like a game seven as the famous Tom Thibodeau. (laughs) And I'm happy that they know that the end of the season is more important than the beginning of the season. So there's a certain school of thought from a certain type of fan that would say, well, we just gave this guy a quarter of a billion dollars. He's got to be out there every night. But in reality, the bulls should prioritize the end of the season over the start of the season. They should try to protect their long-term investment in Zach Levine. And no matter what Zach Levine does in the first 20 games of the season, no one's really going to remember it. I mean, he was amazing last year in the first 20 games of the season, but what we remember is that his play fell off down the stretch and into the playoffs because he was playing hurt. We know that Zach has the mentality to play injured because he played injured the entire second half of last year. Uh, Zach said, I want to play every game. What the Bulls are saying is, dude, we're not going to let you because we need you to be fully healthy and we need you to be at your best at the end of the season. So can't believe I'm saying it, Jace, but I think the Bulls are doing the right thing with Zach Levine in terms of taking a cautious approach with them injury-wise. And, you know, 
maybe if he plays in both those rap, like if he plays in the first Raptors game, and let's say he plays, you know, well, like as well as he did in the second, they probably win the game. I think you could probably say the same thing about the Spurs game, which I believe Levine also missed. They probably win that game with Levine. And their record would be better than six and six, and they'd be higher in the standings, whatever. But I'm actually feeling really good about how they've handled the injury so far. And I hope that, you know, the strength of that knee does build up and that we can see how about 95% Zach Levine, uh, you know, at some point this year. Uh, Curious your thoughts on Levine. Any thoughts on the extended Bulls injury management and what you're seeing there? I mean, when he did play the one back-to-back this year, that was after that big Nets game, and he wanted to play in the Hornets game right after that. I feel like, from what I remember, he had very little juice in that Hornets game. They won easily because like, they had a ton of other guys step up. That was DeMar played poorly. Zach didn't shoot well. Vooch didn't shoot well. Just everyone else kind of crushed it that game, and the Hornets are fucking terrible. So the Bulls won that game, no problem. But he, he, did, he did not look good. So it's like, like if that's the Zach you're, you're going to be getting, if he's going to be playing back-to-backs, like, like the one that I'm totally fine sitting in for a bit until he does feel better uh, and he looks better playing back to backs like that. I mean, that's just that's just kind of the way it is. Teams do things with stars now. Like if you're coming off a of surgery, uh, you're it's going to be like a little bit until you play back to backs. That's just the way it is. And like, obviously, with as a fan, you always want to see guys play as many games as they want. Obviously, for like fans going to games, like it's a bummer if you miss out when Zach Levine is resting for knee injury management. I get all that stuff. But like with the way that teams handle these guys now and with a long season and with uh, them understanding whatever the the science more and the medicine, clearly thinking that and trying to prolong careers like sure, these guys could play all these games, but then their knees and legs would grind into dust, dust by the time they're 30 years old. And then like, that's it. If they want to try to prolong careers, they're trying to be safer and smarter about it. You get it. It's frustrating in the moment when it's like. When you think like, oh, he's he should be fine. He should be fine. It's not like he's actually hurt. You're just like what ma- load managing or whatever. But like, I get it. It's frustrating. But they're trying to do it the best for him, best for the long term of the team. So, yeah. Uh, and given the fact that we have seen the Bulls fuck up with these injuries and like you go back to like the D-Rose days. Uh, and I was certainly like a meatball fan. And there was a lot of meatballery going on with D-Rose when he... And the team screwed that up too with the messaging with, uh, you know, he's cleared to play, but like he's, he doesn't feel he's ready. And like, there was just all, you know, we remember the uproar about that. And everyone remembers the uproar about that. And like, that was probably a huge mistake for the bulls to like leak that he was cleared to play and all that kind of crap. And it led to all this backlash and there's still going to be backlash. There's always going to be backlash when guys sit out and people are going to call him soft. And they're so soft in these days. And back in the day, they'd play every game and play 40 minutes a night. Sure. Whatever. Who cares? The game is way different now. Uh, we know a lot more about how this stuff works and what's better for them for the long term. If you're trying to win a championship, uh, it's just not the way it is. And like the game is harder. Like the, you talk about people talk about how like, the game was so much more like, physical back in the day, but like there wasn't as much, nearly as much movement. Like guys move so much more. They're more athletic. They're playing way more in general. Like even in the off season, the pounding on these guys' bodies is way more than it is now. Like in the, and like, you don't give me some crap about flagrant fouls and like that kind of crap. Like, so like, I get it. All this ranting aside, like, I, I totally get it. I get the frustrations to a degree, but uh, you just gave this guy a max contract and you say, oh, he's got to be out there to, pl- to live up to it. Again, he's got to be out there at the end of the season and going into the playoffs. And that's when it really matters. Like you said, if he misses some time now, 
it's not a huge deal. I know like the Clippers are going through this with the quiet thing is probably more frustrating because he's literally missed all of last season too. And now he's already like missing all this time. So like, that's a whole nother thing. But with Zach right now, if he's just going to be missing back to backs here and there, totally fine. Totally fine. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, I also want to talk about the defense because we said it at the top, but the defense is top five <laughs> without Lonzo. That's pretty crazy, Jason. Yep. And 12 games into the season, this is when stuff is supposed to start to stabilize based on statistical analysis of previous years. For them to be playing at a top five defensive level right now while playing a pretty rough schedule is super impressive. Maybe you can say they're top five in defense because Zach Levine hasn't been in the lineup. Zach doesn't have a reputation as a good defender, but I think he's gotten to at least like close to average over the last few years. Uh, how are the Bulls defending at a top five level? I'm interested in your takeaways on this, Jace, but I'll just shoot from the hip on a couple right here. I think Vooch has been really good defensively. I saw our boy Salim from the Bulls Gold podcast put together some stats for Vooch today. He's second in the entire NBA in defensive rebounds. Uh, so that's great. He's number eight among all centers in deflections. He's got 21 deflections this year. And this is an offensive stat, but he's also hitting 39% of his catch and shoot threes. Last year, he was 31.5%. So I think Vooch has been pretty solid at doing what he can do defensively. He's not going to be someone who soars above the rim to erase shots like Christian Coloco. Holy shit, <laughs> Christian Coloco is an insane rim protector. I mean, that guy... Patrick Williams learned that the hard way. Uh, he's sorry. got awesome <laughs> tools. Yeah, he owned Pat Williams three times like consecutively, yeah, basically, that was tough. in game one. So like, he doesn't have Coloco's length and bounce, which is what makes him so good. He's got the physical attributes, Coloco does, to be a great rim protector. Vooch yeah. just doesn't. He's very gravity-bound. Yeah. But he had some really nice, he's had some nice blocks this year, like turning defense into offense as well. I think that it was last night or a couple nights. One of these Raptors games, he had a couple, I think a couple sick blocks. And he just gets in the way so often. So I think that Vooch generally has been pretty good for the Bulls this year. I think that he's been a reason why the defense is top five. It seems weird to say because usually you would think that Vooch would be like neutral or negative as a defender, but I think he's been solid. He executes the scheme. Uh, I think IO has been really good 
at the point of attack. And Io just looks more comfortable, more confident as an NBA starter this year. And I did a thing on this yesterday, but Io in college had a usage rate in his three years between 24 and 29.5%. So if you, you know, you, for usage rate, 20 is average. If you split up 100 divided by five, everyone would have a 20% usage rate. So he was operating at a super high usage rate in Illinois. He was a superstar player. Yeah. He was an All-American. All-American. That's what yeah. you do. You have the ball. You're going to have a high usage rate. In the NBA, he's such a low usage superstar. Uh, Io this year, his... Oh, so I don't exactly have it in front of me. His usage rate basically was like 14 as a rookie, and it's like 16 now. But Io's been really efficient in his scoring. He never really forces the issue in a bad way. If anything, you probably want to see him be a little bit more aggressive on offense. I've said that before. Uh, He's very opportunistic. Mark has pointed this out on Twitter several times about like driving the ball to the rim on dead ball situations, catching defenses. that Happens once or twice a game. Yeah, it's it's great. He's been doing it all year. Shout out to Mark for noticing that. Uh, and then defensively, I just think he looks like an overall better, more confident defender, which you would expect him to be yeah. in his second year in the league. So I think he's been good. And then I would say having guys like Javante and Derek Jones, who are just great athletes, has helped them sort of erase some mistakes made by the perimeter defenders in front of them. At times. So uh, I don't expect the Bulls to be a top five defense. I mean, the fact that they're a top five defense without Lonzo seems a little fluky, right? Like they shouldn't be defending at that level, probably. But can they be a top 10 defense, you know, at the 50 game mark instead of a top five defense at the 12 game mark? I think it's possible because we've seen enough growth from some of their players. I want to talk about Pat a little bit too defensively because Pat over the last week had to guard Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. They both completely torched him. So in terms of Pat as a defender, I've been saying this since he was in college. He's got his strengths and weaknesses as a defender. He's better closer to the rim than on the perimeter. I think that Pat is slower than a lot of people think he is. They see him as like this toolsy wing, but he sort of lacks one of the most important tools, which is quick twitch athleticism. He's good because he's strong. Yes. He can absorb contact. He's actually pretty good as a nail defender. I think he's good at bringing help on the nail, ripping the ball away from people, uh, you know, using his length to his advantage. He struggles a little bit getting around screens on the perimeter, and I don't really like using him as a wing stopper. So if you want to talk about, you know, Lonzo's absence, you know, Lonzo could be the wing stopper. Later in this year, Pat could go to more of a weak side rim protector role. And I think that could be beneficial for the defense, too. So Pat's giving him what he can give him as a wing stopper right now. Obviously, it's hard to guard fucking Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. Yeah. Duh. Like, not a lot of guys are going to slow those dudes down. But he's trying his best. I think he's been okay defensively. I want to focus fine. on the positives more than the negatives. Like, he's kind of slow. Like, there's just not a lot you're going to be able to do about that. He's been following a lot, too, in the last couple of games. Picked up a bunch of fouls, uh, a couple of bad, like, jump shooting fouls, uh, stuff like that. And I know, like, he's had some off-ball lapses. I mean, he's still super young. And we know team defense is something that really takes some time to get used to. Uh, and, yeah, when he's not like that, I like, and, like, I hate putting him with – there have been times where the Bulls have tried to put him on guards, and it's like, just please don't do that. Like, that's just really not his thing. 
Like if you're going to put him on wings, like big, like bigger wings, like you got, like you're going to put him on Giannis uh, just because he's bigger and like and those, the bigger, big, big wings. You're just going to put him on there because he's taller, he's stronger uh, and stuff like that. But, but defense yeah. in general, Jace, top five right now. Do you think that sustains? What do you think about the defense? So I'm looking at numbers here. Uh, it really is the a huge part is the bench. Um, and you mentioned like you mentioned Jones, Javante, Caruso. I'm looking at like some on off stats right here. Uh, I mean, first of all, I know Drummond's been hurt. Drummond's only played six games, but in Drummond's Drummond's played 101 minutes this year. Defensive on court defensive rating 94.6. Goran Dragic in his 22 minutes on the court 101.2 defensive rating on court. Alex Crusoe, 102.1, and he's played 310 out of 576 total minutes. Jones, 103.6. Javante, 105.9. Zach, 105.9. But Zach has been playing those bench minutes. And then even like the starters have not have not performed as well. If you're looking at like plus minus and all that kind of stuff. But even then, like uh these defensive ratings are not that bad. Like Vooch is at one one ten. IO's at 111 and and in the fact and like and that's like Kobe's the worst on the team at 112. And like would you say like IO's plus minus is bad, but it's not I don't think it's because of him. Uh I think it's just like the starters have not played that well together. Uh they've they've gotten somewhat unlucky with some of these bad starts. Um yeah, was, was, I think we both think that Io's played pretty well defensively. And Io kind of started after Fred Van Vliet kind of torched him early yesterday. He kind of turned the tables on him and played much better for most of the rest of the game as the Bulls took big lead. We both think Vooch is doing pretty well. I mean, you look at that. I mean, a 110 defensive rating would put the Bulls, I think, probably right in the top 10. So it's not like I said, it's not like any of these guys are like getting torched or doing really poorly or anything like that. So like, but a lot of it is the bench. The bench is just crushing teams. The bench is shutting people down. Uh, they're using they're using their athleticism, getting all those deflections, turning that into offense. Uh, and it's been great. And like I said, when Drummond was on the court, they've been locked down. Uh, even when they've gone with these smaller lineups lately, that's still been really good. Uh, let's see, a 110 defensive rating, yeah, would still be basically right outside the top 10. So, like, basically no matter who's on the court so far, the Bulls, for the Bulls, their defense has been mostly fine. Like I said, Kobe's on-court defensive rating was 112.3. That'd be a little closer to, like, bottom third. But even that's not bad. And again, this is all, there's all so much noise with that kind of, on coordinate rating, but just up and down the lineup. Clear the bench is just destroying people and shutting people down. The starters, their problem lately has I think been more offensively. That they they were start of the year, they were getting off to the bad starts. Other teams were just destroying them from three. And we know like DeMar is not a great defender. Pat is still developing. Vooch is Vooch. Zach is okay. So like there's a bunch like a bunch of just okay defenders in that starting lineup. But the fact that they even they have a decent Defensive rating, that's a that's a great sign. So that's uh they're they're doing they're they're playing hard, they're getting they're getting better, they're getting some more I would say their three point luck is kind of evening out again because I did a thing a week or two ago looking at just like their slow starts and teams were shooting like fifty over like fifty seven percent from three in first quarters. And like that's that's a combo of bad defense and just getting unlucky. That was not sustainable. That coming back down a bit, they are starting better. I think Pat has played at least a little better, especially at the start of games, at least uh, playing defense. So do I think they're going to be a top five defense at the end of the season? I would be surprised by that, but if they can beat at least top half of the league and if their offense can come, can get better uh, as, as Zach hopefully gets better. And when Lonzo comes back, I mean, Lonzo should help the defense too, but staying top five, I think will be tough, but uh 
if the defense at least stabilizes for the most part, the offense comes up a bit, that'd be a good sign. Because I mean, we talked about the defense the last half of last year was embarrassing. They were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They were just torched on a nightly basis. And so far, even with the schedule, they are staying competitive. There's only been one game where they just got totally blown out, and that was that Cavs game. Uh, they've been competitive besides that. Yeah, I was going to say that. They've really only had one bad loss the yeah. entire year, despite being 6-6, six and six. and that was kind of a coaching staff loss. Billy's rotations were pretty trash in that game yeah. against Cleveland. That was also the first game Zach played, though Zach played well in that game. One other thing I wanted to talk about, Jace, clutch time performance. Last year, in terms of clutch net rating. The Bulls were top three in the league. They were powered, of course, by DeMar DeRozan, who was the best clutch scorer in the entire NBA last year. This season, Jace, if you go to the NBA's clutch stats, by net rating, the Bulls are the second worst team in the NBA, besides for the Orlando Magic. Their offensive rating is 80.5, which is the third worst in the NBA. (laughs) Their defensive rating is 126.7, which is 26th in the NBA. And that's how you get the 29th best defensive rate or net rating in the league. So I'm kind of using this as a point of optimism because I don't think they're going to be the second to worst team in the league in the clutch all year. I think a lot of that is because Zach hasn't been playing. Now Zach will be playing more. And yes, like Levine's not a great clutch player. He can get rushed and hurried up in those situations. And that's why DeMar's steady hand was so phenomenal last year. But when the opposing defense can just blitz DeMar and try to take him away and dare anyone else to beat you, it sure helps to have Zach Levine out there as an elite shooter and an elite driver to help ease the burden on DeMar. So if we're talking about reasons for optimism, it's six and six. You know, they've been horrible in the clutch. They're 0 and 5. Clutch games. I don't think that's going to stay. Yeah. So. Yeah. 0-5 in clutch games. They've only played 17 clutch minutes. So it's a small sample size. And DeMar has not been as good. But again, because there are a lot of teams for, are forcing the ball out of his hands and forcing other guys to beat them. And it just hasn't happened yet. So you hope that stabilizes a bit and you get a few close wins. Um, and that should hold and that will help. Yeah. I mean, because right now they're 0-5 in crunch games. So they, and then they've gotten blown out once. That's six losses. And then they've won their six games like relatively handily. Was they haven't been any any? Was those were another crunch uh, crunch time game? So, uh, got just got to get it back to winning some of these close games. And there's uh, so many things go into that. And a lot of this is really noisy, especially with the small sample size. You play here, or play there, it gets fucked up. I mean, I mean that Sixers game, especially going back to that one. Like they had that game, like. They had the big comeback. They were, they they were rolling. They were up two with four minutes to go, and they just like did not score the rest of the game. It's like a play, again, and then Joel Embiid. It's a game winning three pointer. Play here, play there, can go a different way. Demar catches uh, fire again, starts doing a little better in the clutch. We'll get some better results. So in general, Jace, my big picture takeaway from the first twelve games of the season is that the Bulls are pretty good. They're not great. They're not terrible. They're staying afloat. They've had a hard schedule. They're six and six. No Lonzo. Zach in and out of the lineup with injury. And the Bulls are still solid. They're plus two in net rating. Like we said, right now, they'd be the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. A lot of teams that were supposed to be better than them are disappointing. We went through that already. Miami, Philadelphia. If I look at the team in general, 
I think that most things have gone well. Their off-season signings look really good. Me and you were super critical of them, especially yep. me. I thought they had a terrible off-season. Drummond looks like a very good signing so far. Dragic looks like a great signing so far. Hopefully those guys keep it up. But to this point, I mean, they've been awesome. You can't ask for anything more out of them. DeRozan is maybe not playing at an all-NBA level, but he's still really good. I mean, we saw against the Celtics, like he literally took over the game and was playing yep. like Michael Jordan. So <laughs> DeMar's still going to be good. You wanted Io and Pat to take a step this year. I think they're both taking a step. The numbers don't totally bear it out yet. So I'm not going to say like Io Jusumu has made the leap or Patrick Williams has made the leap, but they've made like a mini leap. A step. Nothing yeah. else. That's, that's a conservative appraisal of their play. I think Io really has gotten a lot better on both ends of the floor. He's still not putting up crazy numbers. Io, 12 and a half points a game, uh, three assists, four rebounds, just under one steal, but he's shooting 50% from the floor, 38% from three. He scores efficiently from two point range and three point range. He's up to his three point volume. So Io's been very solid. Pat started off horrible. But we've seen some pretty decent Pat games lately. If Pat can just get 12 points, just give me 10, 12 points, Pat. Really, I want like 12, 12 to 14. That's in a perfect world. Now I'm getting greedy. I'm saying 14. <laughs> just give me 12, Pat. Give me 12 points. I'd like to see like 12, like 12 and six. He's only 3.7 rebounds a game. Some of that is Vooch and Drummond just gobble up so many rebounds. But like, I'd like to see Pat rebound a little better. Give me like 12 and five or 12 and six, like an assist or two per game and like a steal so and a block per game. So the young guys look good. Pat and I, the new additions look good. Really, the one thing holding them back right now is Levine's health, I would say. But in general, Bulls are solid. They're a good-ass team. They're going to be fun to watch the whole year. And I was getting some texts from my boy John Wilms and Kevin Farrigan. We have a little text thread. And they were complaining about the discussion about the Bulls on the low post. And I haven't listened to that episode yet, so I can't talk too much about it. But what I will say is that people like maybe me, <laughs> national media in general. They love a championship contender. They love a tanker. They don't know what to do with just a team that's good. And it doesn't really have a path to the title, like an obvious path that you can see. And the Bulls are merely a good team. When Jim Boylan was the coach, when they were getting the seventh pick every year, they sucked to watch. <laughs> and being a Bulls fan felt like a blight. And my personality. <laughs> I don't own any Bulls clothes. I know you have a lot of Bulls apparel, James. I do. <laughs> but like, were you happy wearing your Bulls apparel in the streets when they were fucking dog? I did not have as much back then. Every day. <laughs> what I love is when I walk around the city, and of course, I'm living in Iowa for this year, but I still <laughs> have been home a few times. When I'm walking around the city and I see people wearing Bulls t-shirts, Bulls hats, and I think, hell yeah, this is why you just build a good team. You just Sell out the games, create a fun atmosphere, competitive, entertaining. The Bulls are going to keep us invested the whole year. They might only finish a handful of games over 500. I guess 41 and 41 would be 500. Yeah. So if they win 45, 46. That's what they won last year. That's what they won last year. But, you know, a lot of people would see that season and say, well, what's the big picture view? What's the point? And honestly, Jace, as a sports fan, I will say I'm mostly in it for championships. I would take 10 bad White Sox seasons or 20 bad White Sox seasons for one championship. 
At the same time, though, it sucks to be a Bulls fan and to just have them be garbage like they were for the Garpacks era. So this team is pretty good. They're not amazing. They're not going to win the championship. They're also not going to win the lottery and get the first pick. But they're going to be good every night. And kind of, I guess, their path to a championship would be another player elsewhere in the league wants to change the scenery and wants to come to Chicago uh, to try to help the team get to the next step. So my expectations as a Bulls fan is for them to uh, make the playoffs outright without needing to go through the play-in tournament. It's going to be hard. There's going to be some yeah. a good team or two in the play-in tournament this year because the East is pretty good. And the best-case scenario, I think, would be to win a playoff series. If they could win a playoff series, that'd be a sick season. Normally, you would say, ah, oh, if they make the second round of the playoffs, they're on the treadmill to mediocrity. And I sort of understand that line of thought, too. Well, that's but I feel like that's got that's like a thing where you've done it for like three or four years in a row. Right. Uh, and like the Bulls just got decent good again last year. This year, obviously, you want to take another step. And another step would be winning a playoff series. And then like that's when you want to keep going. And like and that's when like where do you go from there? How do you build build into a championship? But like going from what the Bulls were again, they were the worst team in the NBA combined record for four years over the last four years. Four years, whatever, before last year after trading Jimmy Butler. You don't go from that to contender right away unless you like got prime LeBron James or prime like Steph Curry, something like that. Uh, that just wasn't going to happen. So like they just need to show progress this season based on what the roster is. And then and then you figure out in the next year or two. And again, we don't want to like take them totally off the hook. They need to pay. They need to invest in the roster. Go pay the fucking luxury tax uh, if you got to do it and get to get the right players in. So they better do that. Uh, so I don't. We don't want to just like kind of like I said, let them off the hook totally here. Even though the off season has seemingly worked out so far, uh, you still got to make sure you invest in the team because you're a big market and you got to act like a big market. But there is something to be said about just trying to be good and then taking advantage of those opportunities uh, to get, then get great again. I know they're kind of out of draft picks and stuff like that. Uh, well, we're gonna get the Portland pick. Portland yeah, looks Portland cool. looks great. Keep winning. We're gonna hits. get that pick. Yeah, game winning. And shots. I just We're- said we. I never say we when you're talking <laughs> about the Bulls. But now I'm excited about a team that can win 47 games. Yeah. And it does look like the Bulls are gonna get Portland's draft pick because well, Portland does have three wins on buzzer beaters. Buzzer beaters, yeah. But they're, they're like, missing Dame. And they're, but they're missing Dame, and they're yeah. still towards the top of the West right now. Portland's yeah. third in the West, tied for second at seven and three. So Portland looks solid. That should be might be a top 20 pick for the bulls you could i don't really i should know can you trade that i think you could trade it on the clock it's tough with the stepian rule of like if you can actually trade that pick i believe you could trade it on the clock or you know they'll i'm sure they'll add another toolsy wing who can't yeah. shoot because that's all our tears kind of show is likes to draft <laughs> but that's another asset hopefully you have at your disposal this offseason so well they have the 20 do they have a 2024 pick I can't remember what the exact. Uh, yeah, they do is. have twenty twenty four. Then I think they can. Then I think they can trade. I think they can trade that Blazers pick whenever they want. Then since they cool. have twenty twenty four, I believe I'd have to look that up again. But no, anyways, yeah, right. yeah. In terms of, so I guess this will be a good segue for our last little bit here, uh, talking about whatever getting other another star player, whatever superstar player. So the Lakers. They suck ass. They're really bad. They're two and eight. They should be one and nine. There are miss Dyson Daniels missing two free throws and then a Matt Ryan miracle away from being one and nine. Doesn't look like they're good. LeBron is hurting. AD is always hurting. 
Russ is like the now like the best player in the team somehow <laughs> off the bench. They look like they're going nowhere. And of course, when that happens, that means the rumors start piling up. You get Bill Simmons the other day talking about, oh, there's buzz around the NBA that Anthony Davis is available or might might be available. I don't think there's any been anything really other concrete about that. Uh, I haven't seen any other reporting like confirming or denying like anything like that. But like where the Lakers are right now with LeBron in year 20 with AD kind of being, I mean, we'll talk about this here in a second here, being what he is right now and with the Russ situation. Where do the Lakers go from here? I mean, one thing is possibly just blowing it up, and maybe they do make Anthony Davis available. So knowing what Anthony Davis is now, what is he, 29? He does. He is not the do- quite the same dominant force as he used to be. We know he's got a lot of nicks, nicks and bruises. He gets hurt a lot, but he doesn't like get serious injuries. He just leaves. He falls on the court all the time. He has to leave, game, leave games. He misses some time. I know he's getting enough to a pretty good start this year, but you wonder like how much he is uh, like – he really like raises your like ceiling as like the best player on the team. We obviously him and LeBron won a title in the bubble. Was AD like found his three point shot magically in the bubble, magic fucking kingdom in Disney and all that. Uh, he has not been that his jump shot has has just totally abandoned him since then, and he just doesn't look like he's quite as like I said dominant at how he moves anymore. So. But just and I people so this rumor comes out and people start talking like what are the destinations who do, who should go after AD if AD somehow comes on the trade market so you see people start talking about the Bulls he's a Chicago guy should they try to bring him back home Ricky would you look into I mean I think it's always it's always worth looking into what a star like that would want but like that's a situation where like you got to be really careful about if you're what you're trading if you're trying to bring Anthony Davis just because there's there's just, I feel like so many red flags with him now, even though he's still like a really good player. And what is he? What would you say he is? A like top 25, 20 player right now? He was a top 10 player for sure. Right. Like a few years ago. Absolutely. Now is, is the current version of Anthony Davis a top 10 player? Pro- I mean, probably not. And so, yeah, ultimately, would you go, would you like go, try to push? more chips in to get Anthony Davis, what would you be willing to give up? Or would you just like say, no, I don't want him at all. Like I just, I think no. that it would be, it would, it's definitely something you'd have to like fully look into. You always have to do that. If a, if a star like that's available, you got to at least look into it and see, Hey, what's up? What's going my, on? my snap judgment on this is that I'd be kind of bummed if the bulls did it. Uh, because while AD is a, very good player. He's sort of annoying to root for. He's, <laughs> he's made a glass. He's always grabbing his back or his he hates knee playing the five. Even when he's fine, <laughs> he always acts like he's hurt. He hates playing center. The jump shot has totally abandoned him. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's averaging 24 and 10 this year. And uh, his salary is basically a perfect match with Zach Levine's salary. Would you trade Zach Levine? For Anthony Davis, I think something you would have to think long and hard about. I don't think this is actually going to happen at all because unless the Lakers definitely know that LeBron's not going to be there next year and he's under contract, he signed a one year extension. I just don't see what their incentive to trade Davis would be. Maybe they know LeBron's going to the Cavs. If LeBron goes to the Cavs, (laughs) Cavs are going to win the title probably next year. Uh, But would you trade, you know, Levine for Davis, or would you do like a Vooch Pat Io and pick for Davis? 
I mean, they could put together good line. So like, let's yeah. say they treated Vooch as part of a Davis package. Of course, you would, you know, if it's Io, Pat, and Vooch. First of all, that's probably not good enough to get Anthony Davis. I also would hate to lose Pat and Io just because it's <laughs> nice to root for two young guys on the team. And like their growth as players sort of changes the Bulls' ceiling, like based on how those guys develop long term. But of course, like DeRozan's in his mid 30s. So like if you're going to maximize DeRozan, it would make sense to get a really good player like Davis. I don't think that trade would be on the table. But hypothetically, you could start Drummond with Anthony Davis, with DeMar, Zach, and Lonzo, and then bring Caruso off the bench. You you know, you'd be a little thin depth-wise if you lost Pat and Io in that scenario and you were elevating Isn't that, Drummond. That's what, three well. players from the 2021 Lakers, right? A couple years ago, Drummond was with the Lakers with AD, yeah. and then Caruso was on that team too. Yeah. And then, you know, otherwise it's the Levine for AD. That's the other way it could probably work. Uh, and I don't think it's realistic, so I don't want to put too much of my brain right. into considering it because I don't think the Lakers are going to trade Anthony Davis. I agree. But, uh, yeah, good hypothetical to think about. And, you know, we could be sitting here two years from now and be like, well, if the Bulls did have the opportunity to trade Zach Levine for Anthony Davis, they obviously should have done it because Levine still hasn't shown he's healthy. Levine's coming off a good game. Right. Before we record this podcast, if he was coming off a 12-point <laughs> game, would we be saying, yeah, you got traded for Anthony Davis? <laughs> you know, I think so much analysis is uh, baked in recency bias. Yeah. But in general, I don't want to root for AD. I mean, I like AD. <laughs> I'm not hating. But he's not. that's not really getting me super excited. Right, if they like- get him without giving up Zach, that would be cool. Yeah, you like look at his numbers and that yeah, 23 a game, 54% shooting, 10 rebounds, 2.4 assists. We know we like block shots. Those numbers like look great. I it just I feel like the the vibes, it's just like they don't seem like quite there than what he used to be. And again, I think just yeah, the way he like carries himself with always kind of moping around, like injured and all that. He's always leaving games. Like and if they did make a trade, like say you did give up. I mean, you're so you're banking on Zach, who's got his knee problem, Lonzo knee problem ad always starts i mean that's just like so much injury stuff going on there so it makes it tough like would i say i definitely wouldn't do it probably not but like i don't know if i'd want to either like it's just like a it's such a unique situation weird situation again it probably is not gonna happen i would be shocked if the lakers blew this thing up this year even if even with how bad they are like i think they'll probably try to run it back one more year next year uh once russ is off the books even though russ is playing much better now but yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't have like a great answer. Like, a great hot take here to say like the Bulls just absolutely should not trade Anthony Davis. But like, yeah, I wouldn't be like it'd be kind of cool, and then it'd be like, and then we'd probably watch it, and then it'd be kind of like, eh. like I just don't know how much better they would be. I don't know. He's so, like, maybe we're still underrating him. Just like the, the watching the Lakers these days is just always miserable. And like, an AD is good, but like again, is he like really making them that much better at this point? I mean, clearly not. And like some of it's LeBron. LeBron might actually be finally. Hitting father time, I'd finally be bashing him over the head because he just can't shoot anymore. But it's just weird. Uh, it's a weird situation. Uh, who know? I guess you never know in the NBA. Never want to count it out, but it definitely would be a surprise if he actually. Honestly, the more I think about it, the more I think it would probably be in the best interest of the team in terms of like the goals winning the championship. You'd probably be closer to a championship getting Anthony Davis. So it probably would be a good move, but I'm not getting too jacked up for it. Also, right. the like, vibes Davis about is- it. 
It's like Davis has made a glass. Yeah. So like whose long-term injury situation looks more bleak? Zach Levine or Anthony Davis? Or Lonzo Ball. <laughs> Levine's a little younger. Or Lonzo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, if you're like relying on those three guys, it's just like it, if it all came together, it could be really fun. Like Lonzo's your point guard. Zach is your start scorer. AD and you still have what Demar, right? We still would they still have Demar in this situation? Like if you have two stud yeah. scores, AD, uh, Lonzo as your point guard, and then either whatever Drummond, or then you could or you could also play whatever Caruso or something else. Like that theoretically sounds like it could be great, but it just I feel like every other game one of those guys isn't going to be playing, which makes it tough. Weird stuff, dude. Don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Fun to think about. Uh, and you know the Bulls are all right. That's my big takeaway in this episode. <laughs> Bulls, they're pretty good. They're all right. <laughs> it's a plus two point differential, baby. They're a little bit better than average. I'll take it. Hey, I'm after, having fun this yeah, season. After the way last season ended and how things looked without Lonzo and the concern about how they'd look without Lonzo this season, where they are right now should be viewed as absolutely a positive. Again, six and six is not nothing to write home about. But I mean, just think of one of those clutch games goes their way. I know that's if. If, 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 but like one fucking clutching was the way they're seven and five where they are right now. And they're be fifth and they'd be fifth in the East. And like, like, yeah, pretty dang good. I know six and six feels like a lot worse, but they're pretty close to being, yeah, pretty, pretty good. So we'll just, they got to get the, what the Pelicans tomorrow night, Wednesday night, the Pelicans have not been that great. They got, I think they got off to a really nice start. And then Zion missed some time. Ingram missed some time. It's gonna be a tough game. Pelicans have a lot of talent. I'm not sure what their injury situation is right now, but uh, that'll be a tough game, but it's at home. And then the Bulls, and then they get, what, three days off? I think they get Thursday, Friday, Saturday off. Welcome in Denver. Home game after all that time off. Uh, Denver is good. They got the two-time MVP, but like another home game, like with some rest, maybe that's winnable as well. It'd be great to win both these home games here and get to, and get to eight and six. But I mean, even then, I'd take a split out of these two games because the schedule just has been brutal with all these teams. So we'll see. And you know what, Jace? Even if they lose, because they got you know tough. Game. I mean, the Pelicans are awesome. They're still sort of figuring out how to play with Zion. Yeah, but you know, I think they're only five. And five right? I mean, dude, these next six games: Pelicans, home Pelicans, home Nuggets, away Pelicans. Home yeah. Magic, gotta win that. Home one. Celtics, away Bucks. That's the next yeah. six. You got the Pelicans twice, the Bucks. Because you gotta, you gotta get me three and three yeah. here. You gotta beat the Magic at home. You gotta beat. Uh, we gotta win one of these next two home games. Hopefully, don't have to win both. But I mean, at Milwaukee, it figures a loss. Boston, we'll see. The Bulls have played them well twice. Uh, then what? Two Pelicans. You gotta split the Pelicans games. See about the Nuggets to toss up. Win the Magic game. Bucks Celtics ooh, probably going to lose both, but they, again, they've played the Celtics really tough so far. So give me three and three over this next stretch. And I'd be fine. If they're nine and nine after 18 games, and that'd be almost a quarter of the way through. That's, I mean, that's fine. That's that'd be totally fine. Uh, and, maybe they get lucky and they're 10 and eight. And, you know, I probably should have said this much earlier, but I do think that it really comes down. I tweeted this the other day. It comes down to like how well Levine's going to play. Because if Levine plays well, everything else is sort of shaping up. They are five and three, well. right? With him in the lineup, I think it's five and three. That sounds right. Something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Every, I mean, Pat Nio getting a little better. Offseason additions look awesome. DeMar's still good. Caruso's still a monster defensively. I think that if Levine looks good, the Bulls are going to look good. Yeah. So 
you know, hopefully Zach can keep it up over this next six. He looked awesome in the second game against the Raptors. Now he's not going to be getting days off as often probably because uh, with without the Bulls having back-to-backs, like Levine hypothetically is going to be in the lineup every game. Hopefully he can maintain, uh, you know, all-star or near all-star level of play if he's not missing games, if he's playing every game. But if Levine looks good, the Bulls are going to look pretty good because everything else is trending up. And it's not a bad place to be. Yeah. They also need to figure out how to win games on weekends. I believe I was looking through this the other day, and I think they have not won a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday game yet. If they have, it's only one, and they've won like every weekday game that they've played. Uh, so start winning games on weekends, Bulls. Come on. Um, got anything else, or we wrap it up here? Let's wrap it up. All right. That'll do it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. We are in the midst of the NBA season. Tons of great NBA pods all across the Blue Wire Network, plus a bunch of just other great content in general. Please go check everything out if you like what we're doing here. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. Uh, We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places you can follow us. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SP underscore Ricky. Hit us up. We're always tweeting about games. Ask us questions. Give us comments. Give us feedback. Always love interacting with all the fans out there. Um, so that'll do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. This is last year's Bulls. It's not last year's Bulls.